Hey, stick around because we got Chuck Wright, former bass player for Quiet Wright and Alice Cooper. And he's also worked with a ton of other stellar musicians, including guys from Guns N' Roses, which he's going to tell us all about. And uh, he's got his new solo record out right now called Sheltering Sky with lots of special guests, including Scotty Hill of Skid Row and Jeff Scott Soto. And this is a really fun interview. You're going to love it. Stay right there. Okay, well, welcome, Hello. Chuck Wright. Chuck Wright Chuck? to the Quick Shoe Podcast. Awesome. Yeah. Two Chucks. I love it. Yeah, dueling Chucks. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, it's interesting, like, so your facial hair, that's a newer thing that you grew it out for a Quiet Riot video and you just kept it, but you never had that before? How do you know that? No, <laughs> anyway, ah, you, you've got some inside info. Um, actually, no, my whole life, I've never had hair on my face. Yeah. I can never, it never really filled in enough. I mean, I can't grow it up. Anyway, so in doing um, a video with Quiet Riot, um, I needed to grow scruff out to be this Western character. I actually get killed in the thing. I, I was told I, I die gracefully and great. But anyway, um, I, uh, I grew it out and people were commenting, wow, you look great. It makes you look younger. It brings your jawline in and all that. So I went, really? I, I don't know. I, I still haven't really gotten used to it. Um, you know, I don't know. It's been a quite a while that I've had it, but it's, you know, I have to diet and it's, a, you know, I'm really, I'm great, but you know how it is. Um, but that's how that came about was, yeah, yeah. The, video, the video shoot. No, that's cool. I, I like, it makes you look like a, like a music, you know, like it's really like a musician kind of, especially when you put like the fedora on with it. I was well, like, oh, that's I, cool yeah, I, I'm a, as you can see in the background, I have a lot of hats <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. I've been, uh, you know, the haberdashery I've been, uh, when I was a kid, I was in military school for almost nine years. So I guess that's kind of, I always wore hats and I actually uh, just posted a, a picture of me um, in my very first band. It's like the first band picture of me and I'm wearing a hat. I didn't even think of, I go, wait a minute, I'm wearing a hat and that too. So I guess it's kind of been a thing for me um, off and on. Uh, obviously during the eighties, it was all about the big hair. So I wasn't doing the hat thing. So Right. Wait, so tell me about this military school for night. Did you in trouble or something? You get. No, no. You know what? Um, my mom, I never knew my dad. My mom thought it would be, you know, she, I guess she saw me playing with Barbies with my sister or something. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I don't know but she. Oh, but no. She, she, yeah. So she put me in the school and I really, you know, in that environment, I did really well. I was second in command of the battalion um, and I was going to go to uh, school. Um, Air Force Academy school to get me to go to the, the main Air Force Academy um, because I wanted to fly, fly jets. And my whole life changed because of rock and roll. That was my course. I, I took some, a little, some guitar lessons when I was a little kid and I could kind of play guitar. And when I was, I think almost 15, um, the neighborhood kids, they were 16, 17 bigger kids. And I was big for my age. They said, Hey man, you play guitar, right? And I said, well, a little, they go, do you think you could play bass? And I go, wait a minute, isn't that only four strings, bass? And I go, let me ask my mom. So she got me a bass, and um, the first first um, band I really got into uh, was Jack Bruce and Cream, and mm -hmm. it's all about improvisation. So I kind of was self-taught that way, and I did my first gig, which was a UCLA fraternity party. I made $75, I drank beer, and the girls thought I was cute. So... I, I went to my mom and I go, this is what I want to do. This is my life's calling. I want to do music. 
And she was like, she tried to talk me out of it, of course. She goes, but you've invested eight years of your life and you're doing so good. And, you know, it was high caliber educational kind of school. And, and uh, the, just, I was pretty organized. So I was able to, to excel in that environment. So anyway, it changed and I became a rock and roll guy. And, and Jack Bruce, who just had a birthday a couple of days ago, um, you know, passed away, obviously, uh, I think 2014, I, I can't remember the date, but anyway, I got a bass, which is a Gibson EB3 bass because of him. That was the bass I got. Now cut two years later, and this is kind of a, a cool trivia story. Years later, I'm on tour with Vanilla Fudge with Carmine and the opening acts bass player um, inherited millions of dollars and he started a music collection. And one of the things items he had was the, the bass that Jack Bruce recorded Sunshine of Your Love with which was the very first song I ever recorded. So I went over to his house, there was the bass, and I sat down and played the bass that was the very first song I ever learned from. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of a crazy story, but that happened. Yeah. yeah so. That's that. No, that's just crazy. Like, it must have been like, you, do you feel like the magic from that? Or is it just... I just like, yeah, it was, I was in awe of the whole situation. I mean, he had Jimmy Page's uh, box amps and he had Timmy Bogart's bass up there. I mean, he, he inherited $250 million, you know, so he had like all this incredible, and he's a, he was a really great musician too. Um, so, uh, anyway, that so, is so cool. I love those a, kind of stories. I, yeah, that's what I want to do. If I win the auto is just buy up cool. I want to, you know what I want to do is I want to put bands back together that well, they're like, Oh, we can't, it's too expensive to you tour. I would say, I'm going to buy you a, a tour. What I would do is I would start a production company and label and start getting bands and treating them right and having them do their own thing instead of having to be put into a, a shelf in a box. Cause I see so many of these guys just doing the same thing over and over and over. They're all just doing the same things like grow, do a little bit, you know, just kind of encourage and develop people, develop artists, which stopped years ago. I, I, I like, you know, if you think about it, if a band like you, uh, you two or spring uh, Bruce Springsteen came out, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have lasted because their first albums didn't do anything. They, uh, the record companies believed in them and stayed with them and developed them as artists. So they were able to grow into this massive worldwide phenomenon. You know? Well, do you think you need the record companies now though? Cause I feel like everyone's just making their own music in their basement or whatever. And they just keep ma making well, music. They don't really need that, a record company. But in that there's a problem because what do you get? 60,000 songs released today. Something like that on Spotify. I know I, I heard it. Yeah. Last Last night I was uh, hanging with Millie from from Steelheart, and he said he goes, "No man, it's it's like eighty thousand now." And I go, "No way!" And uh, and I said, "That's crazy." I go, "How do how do you rise above that?" You know, so you kind of need a. I think you still need a machine to do it right. You know, um, the reason I'm with you now is the publicity department at Cleopatra is putting me out to to do like interviews all over the place about my new album, um, and I don't know if I would have been able to generate that myself. Um, you know, by reaching out. It, I don't know. It, it's, I think it's good to have that if you can. Yeah. I do love hearing the stories about people, at least when they start that they're doing it on their own and stuff. And you know, it's like this grassroots thing, like back in the eighties, I think the, the flyering was the big thing that everyone, you know, putting up flyers and stuff. And you don't have to tell me, I mean, even yeah. before the eighties, late seventies, I was, I was the guy with the staple gun hitting all the, when we had telephone poles, I was hitting all the telephone poles you know, going up Laurel Canyon into Sunset Strip and standing out there going, hey, you got to check out my band. It's a cool band. I remember, this is a this is a great one. I remember being at the Cat Club, right? And Axl Rose, before they were signed, is in the men's room to meet every guy that comes in there to push his band. 
What the? <laughs> Check out my band. It's really great. That is hilarious. I cannot yeah. even picture that because so he's weird. such a cool customer now. Like he doesn't. Yeah, I know, but but why not stand outside the door? Why inside? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was wondering. He's standing by the sink when you come in. Yeah, you know, it was kind of a small bathroom. I remember, and, and that always. Well, because then was, it's like you can't. Once you're in, it's like you're kind of trapped, right? He's got you trapped. I, I maybe that's the case, but or I, it was quieter. I, I, I just, don't know. I just, I just always remember that because then they got signed and they took off and blew the. They're a huge, you know, one of the biggest yeah. bands in the world. I've so actually. He told you. He said, "Hey, you should listen to my band. It's called Guns yeah, and yeah. Roses." Everybody that came in, he said, "You got to hear my band. It's called Guns and Roses." I, I'll never forget that. And I ended up working with many of the members in, in my past of Guns N' Roses, both Matt Sorum. I've done uh, film projects with him, and I did a solo album, and I toured with Steven Adler. Um, I did a movie soundtrack with Slash, was involved in that and played live with him. Um, and Teddy Zigzag, I did his solo record. Um, and he's a really good, still a very close friend. So is Gilby Clark. I've played with him. You know, so a but lot not of Axel. The, that was your Axel family. story. Huh? That was your Axel story, though. It was just meeting him in the back. You haven't seen. Yeah, I've never heard. seen him since, man. I, I, it's like that's a guy I've never had any contact with, um, you know, at all. Um, yeah. Dizzy Reed's a good friend, and I've worked with him a lot. I toured with Dizzy on the Dizzy and Jizzy tour because it was Jizzy, Pearl, <laughs> Dizzy, Reed, and it was just one backup band, which was me and Alex and 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 uh, I think it was Chili, who's in Puddle of Mud, on drums, and we toured. As the Dizzy and Jizzy tour. That's a great. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was, it was great because I the love hate material is killer. Oh, I love I, it. Yeah, I've, I've had Jizzy on a couple times. Stuff. In fact, we were doing uh, Blackout in the Quiet Right show, but I love that. Uh, uh, really, it was great, and obviously doing the the Guns N' Roses material and um, Dizzy would do like like some Elton John and and some other cover stuff besides just GNR, which he's always a blast. He's great, really great at what he does. Fun band. Yeah. It was a fun tour. It was a great. Yeah. Tour. Is Slash, is he the best guitarist you've ever played with? And I mean, did you notice it when you're playing with him? Are you just in awe or is it just like any other gig? Uh, well, the thing I remember about that, and I'll talk about what I think of him uh, as a player, but the thing I remember the most about the one gig we did, we were in in uh, Sundance Film Festival and the film that we had worked on, um, they, they hired us to come and play um, up there and the place was packed and people were, were paying like ridiculous amounts of money to come see because they knew Slash was playing and they knew that, and actually Duff was there too. I played bass, but Duff came out for a song. Um, and um, I, Teddy was there and Matt Sorum was on drums. And um, the thing I remember is is Slash goes, walks up to the mic and goes, not going to happen. <laughs> wow. Goes, what? The crowd went crazy when he played the riff, right? And then he goes, not going to happen. And then they all go, Whoa! <laughs> you know, we just did songs from the movie. And, uh, uh. You know, and then, and then uh, a crazy thing that happened is we all switched instruments on the last song. And I switched to drums because I love playing drums. But we're at 5,000 feet. I, I was like dry heaving at the end of that. I was like trying to do pushing too hard. And, and Matt was singing lead. And he's going, come on, dude. <laughs> you know, it was a fun. I'll never forget that, that whole experience. But that's basically my only time which is kind of very limited uh, working with Slash himself. Yeah. Well, you've worked with so many freaking amazing musicians. Like, but uh, it, yeah, Alice that... Cooper was a great one to work with. I got to tour with, I did 75 cities, 17 countries, started in Moscow and ended in, in uh, Lisbon, Portugal with him, which, I mean, what a, what a brilliant guy. I hung out with him every day pretty much, shopping. And 
Does he? Okay. Because I've had so many people from Alice Cooper's bands that have played with him. And everyone says the same thing. Like, oh, he's the nicest guy. Great guy. Does that guy ever like have a bad day and yell at somebody? Or like, is he just perfect? The only only thing I can say is we we sat in the back of the bus once and counted members and we we got up to 60. But anyway, that he's had throughout the course of his, the Alice Cooper band thing. Yeah. He's got keyboards, he's got guitar players, two guitar, and in and out, in and out. That band had Eric Singer, who's in Kiss. Uh, Eric Dover, you might know from, from. Yeah, I had him on the show. Yeah, he was with Slash, Slash's band and, Jell- and Jellyfish, I think it is. Yep. Um, you know, Pete Friesen, who had been with Alice before, and Teddy Zigzag was on the keyboards back then. But I remember we talked about it. There's there's 60 different guys, but he does become somebody else. I've seen the transformation. When he becomes Alice Cooper, the Alice Cooper on stage, it's like this thing comes over him and he turns into this. You know, like, it's like, it's so bizarre to see huh. because you know him as this, hey, man, let's go have coffee, you know? And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, get out of my way. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, he's like, and we did this one show, it was at Halloween and and the drum, the drums, the steps up to the drum riser had these skull, you know, human hands and skulls hanging on them. Well, yeah. he put kiss masks over them. <laughs> and he took, he took his, uh, I'll never forget, he, one song he does on a crutch. He has a crutch he brings out. He took the crutch and just destroyed Paul Stanley's head over and over and over. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what that was about, but it was, he was intense. I was like, that was another side of Alice. I've never seen him. But that's like a case playing a character. Yeah, he was playing a character. He just went crazy. You know? <laughs> that's got to be how he gets out his aggression then. It's playing yeah. this character. Maybe. Um, I do have one other thing about that. Um, and I'll, uh, I, I didn't really go about We'll talk. Well, it doesn't matter about Slash. Anyway, um, oh Slash, no, let's talk about Slash. I love Slash. I well, love no, yeah. I mean, I'll go back to that. But the funny story about the Alice tour is, you know, a lot of times people go, "What do you have any Spinal Tap moments?" You know, and I'm there, most people are aware of the the Spinal Tap movie. Mm-hmm. And there were two with Alice Cooper. I'll never forget. They do this whole thing where he's in a straight jacket. They take him to the guillotine. Eric Singer's doing the drum roll. Um, they have the executioner with the with the hood on, holding the rope, and he, and he yells "Die!" and they drop the they drop the guillotine and it stopped halfway through halfway and his head fell off. Oh, whoops! <laughs> whoops! <laughs> and they rushed him away. And then another time, there's this tube during the show. He like feed my Frankenstein. He builds. He takes like the head that was cut off and he puts it on the body that he had been building in this tube. And then the drum solo, and then the tube fills up with smoke. And then the door comes open and he comes out dressed like in the white suit that the, the, the bodies were in. And, and then we do no more Mr. Nice Guy, right? Well, he couldn't get out. It was filled with smoke <laughs> and he stuck in there. You let me out! Which happened in Spinal Tap. Yeah, right? totally. So he had to go out around the back and come around the side. So wow. the whole gag of him turning into this life thing didn't happen anyway so then does that piss him off does he get a you motherfuckers what the oh, hell no. did this or is he just like laugh it off no he laughed it off i mean he he's yeah he's i've never he's seen such a him. class act he's uh, cons- you know what he's super consistent he was a great man now back to your question about what did i think of slash as a player under the circumstances of that situation I, I did, there wasn't much to do you know there wasn't a lot of us jamming or doing things but I did go see him play with his band at the whiskey and I sat there in awe watching how good he was and how he could just, he's like, I know he plays kind of sideways and how he did yeah. this. He did the solo that must've lasted for 15 minutes. That was interesting the whole time. 
And honest, I got to be honest with you, I, I never really held them to the same level that I hold somebody like Jeff Beck or Alan Holsworth or, or David Gilmore or those kind of guys that I totally just, they're my guys, right? Until I saw that show. Um, I hadn't really watched Guns N' Roses or listened to it. I, I have a lot more respect for Guns N' Roses music when I had to learn it. When I learned how intricate some of the parts were and the chord changes and the, the key changes and all the different things, when I had to go tour uh, with Adler um, and when, with Dizzy when I toured with him uh, to learn that stuff, I, I gained a new uh, high respect for the, for that band. Is that how you would judge a good uh, guitarist based on the how complicated and, and intricate the music is? Or is it more just about the feel? It's, because- a, it's about feel. I mean, I don't think there, for me personally, I don't think there's a better guitar solo than the one that comfortably know. And, and, you know, Pink Floyd's coming. Pink Floyd, yeah. Yeah, I mean, make the notes count. You know, I, I try to say that. It's like, I, I forgot who, I think I saw Dream Theater or some, some band where the guy's just shredding the whole time. And I wanted to hold up a sign that says, no one cares, man. Make the notes count. Get Put some heart and soul into those notes, you know. I kind of like, I mean, I kind of like the shredding. Well, though. I don't, no, but you gotta but do I hear it. what you're saying. Yeah. You gotta do it at, at a time. Like on, on the first track of my album, um, Alan Hines came on board. Um, who's an, um, he's he sells out whenever he plays here. He's a jazz fusion guy. Yeah, these beautiful melodies, but then he'll just blow into something that's just like, whoa, where'd that come from? But it's done. You know, I, I don't like guys that just come out and just start riffing. You know, they they don't build up to it. It's like it can get repetitive. Yeah, like the, yeah, some of those like guys went off right away. You don't build up to anything. Right when every song is just shredding, it's like it starts yeah. to get kind of like monotonous. Yeah, it, that's what I think. Totally. Zach, I felt like that when I saw his last thing. It was just like the same thing over. I was going, Who? Oh, Zach. Zach Wilde? Oh, Zach Wilde. Okay. I was like, that's what I thought, yeah, but I wasn't joking. Okay, yeah. I, I, was, I was kind of like, man, it's like the same. It's like, whatever. He's so good, though. Like, he just, he, is, he wows me when I, when he plays really, with really Ozzy. Excellent. And what a great fit for him and Ozzy back then, right? Yeah. Um, no, I think. So, yeah. So, let's talk about your, your new. So, you said the weight is the weight of silence. That's the first song, right? Yeah, now, the, what happened with, and why I'm even having a solo record, which is never a plan. I never said, oh, I'm going to make a solo album. What happened was, is the pandemic hit, and I'm at home, and I wanted to take a bad situation, and I, I was watching the world with, with all these major cities like Vegas and that are bustling in New York, and there's like nobody there. It was like an apocalyptic sci-fi experience, you know? So Spooky, I, took yeah. that, I took that feeling, and I recorded... <coughs> Uh, way to silence playing everything myself i edited together a video i got drone footage of showing the empty streets all over the world and i had one central figure that's uh, in a hazmat suit so like he's the last man left on earth and i had a train that that is just going through the from the beginning of the video to the end that's got nobody in it it's just an empty train going through and i and i uh put that out myself and then i get a phone call from troy Lucetta from tesla um, the drummer in Tesla, and he, he said, Chuck, he goes, I love this song. Can I play drums? I'd love to play drums on it. And I go, I've never even thought about that. I go, yeah, I'll send you. He has a studio. I go, I'll send you the tracks. <clears throat> drums came in at the same time. Alan, who I was just talking about, said, hey, I could put some guitar soloing on it. And I edited that together. And then I, uh, I heard Derek Sherinian, um, keyboard player from, he was in Dream Theater, but he's got a bunch of great solo albums out. He, he, he really liked it. So I said, hey, can you put some Ultron and some synth on this? What, what do you think? And he said, yeah, it's great. I'll do it. So, um, so then I released that one. And oddly enough, just a couple of days ago, um, I found out that I won 
best uh, instrumental and best video on the rock, uh, was the hard, the rock music Alliance awards. And I had no idea it was even nominated. And they, Joe Satriani and John five were in the same category. Damn. I know. And my album's not even out yet, but I, that, because that came out that those songs are on, that song is on my album, but I put it out myself, but it's going to be on, on this album that I I'm releasing tomorrow. Oh, is it coming out tomorrow? Yeah. On the 20th. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll try to get this episode out tonight then. Yeah, because I, I heard the whole thing, and it's, yeah, that's interesting. It makes sense that it was recorded in the pandemic because there, it's there's a lot of like dark, somber tones oh, to yeah. it that are very spooky, and I feel like they could really lend themselves to some like cool movies or TV shows or something yeah, like that. that would be perfect. Yeah, I heard that from a lot of people. Now, again, I never intended doing a solo record, so I was just writing music that I liked. That's something I would want to hear. So that's why you're you're getting jazz fusion you're getting funk you're getting uh even a celtic song on there um i redid darkness darkness that came out in 69 there's two covers and the bjork cover that's kind of why the record has such a diverse feel to it once i had five songs kind of done and i then i did the video for army of me um with a, a 3d uh a guy that does 3d graphic design uh, named drew lanius um then i said you know what i think i got something here and I started taking it around, and, and Brian Pereira, who I'd known a long time at uh, Cleopatra, thought it was great, so he signed it. So it, it gave it some legitimacy instead of me just throwing up some YouTubes or whatever. And then I, I finished it off, and I have 41 great friends and musicians on the, on the record total. I just did a head count. I thought it was 30-something, but then I went, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, he's on. Oh, yeah, he's doing percussion. Oh, So, it's yeah, it's 41 people total. Yeah, it's a very – it's like a musician's – uh, kind of album like this isn't for people who are just casual music listeners I don't think they're gonna enjoy I don't think they're gonna get it it's very sophisticated and more complex which good for you because I think my audience are music fans so they're gonna be oh, enjoy yeah. I think they're gonna be able to appreciate oh, it yeah if you like bands like Pink Floyd maybe you, you would dig a lot of what I'm doing on here and um, one of my songs which is my new single called Throwing Stones yeah I love that one it was I don't know if you saw the video but it, it yeah. was it was compared to imagine somebody did a review. They said, it's kind of like if, if Primus and Stevie Wonder got together. And I went, wow, that's interesting. Because that, if you watch what I'm doing playing and the, the funkness of it and, and Joe Retta's um, vocal on it, it's incredibly, you know, like Stevie Wonder, just the blue, I mean, uh, R&B style. He actually wrote the lyric um, and the vocals for the song, for the music, uh, uh, which was an anti-war message which um, he wrote before the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So when I was making the video for the song, um, and, and he could be in here, so you'll see him in a TV screen, um, I, I felt I should incorporate what was going on in the world right now with the, with the Ukraine invasion. So there's some of those elements in that video. Um, but it's basically the message in that song um, that he wrote is, as humans, we started throwing rocks at each other, throwing stones, and now we're launching missiles at each other. So how long, how much longer until we learn that this is not the way, you know, love is the answer. That's basically the message in that song. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. Cause uh, even if we're not throwing missiles, I mean, the, the stones are, or it's not doing good things for the world either. There's a lot of the stone throwing on oh. Twitter and just everywhere in the world. Right. It's kind of, well, like, that's a good, that's a good analogy. I mean, there's so much hate, hate speak and hate stuff. People have, People have a platform that maybe they have some inner angers about whatever chip on their shoulder and they, they look at, Oh, I can be anonymous. It just, you know, shred. There's a, 
I'm not going to say their name, but there's a certain webzine that no matter what you put up there, there's going to be a long line of guys that are just sitting waiting so they can try to out trash, you know, whoever it is, each other. I, I, I'm going, it's always the same guys. They're guys that are, that are, are never successful musicians usually. <laughs> or are trash and guys that have actually done stuff. It's always just, you can look them up now. And it's like, oh, no, I know. It's like, it's funny. What's like when I get a, a negative comment on YouTube and I always click to see, I click on their YouTube and they have like two subscribers. I'm like, yeah. well, you're trashing me. I've got more subscribers than you. Like well, you know, if somebody yeah. had like 10,000 subscribers and they gave me some critical feedback. Hey, I'd love to hear it, but right. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's, I, I guess the point is, is I which I think your, your uh, analogy about throwing stones being, uh, hate hate speak or whatever online. It's just everybody has a platform now. You know, it's like whoever it is, they can get online and just start going off. You know, that's that's the problem with Twitter. You know, right. Well, and then, then the, not only that, but the, with the algorithm, the craziest, wildest ideas uh, from all over the you know every kind of direction, they get go to the top of the the algorithm. Right. Because they're going to get the mean. most interaction. People, are, what do you you think that you're crazy? It's yeah. if I just say like. Hey, like, you know, I think I p- tweeted something yesterday. I said, you know, if people could be kinder to each other, what, is that an idea? Like, instead of trying to convince everybody like of your ideas, what if people just tried to listen yeah. and be kind? Well, nobody this, cared about that. That, that got like three likes. <laughs> not a lot of empathies. I know nobody cares. And I've noticed like I've done a couple of these and they'll cherry pick a sentence out of the entire hour that you're speaking. And then that, that'll be their headline, you know, so and so says that you know the virus is fake, and and, and that that wasn't what the, the whole content of it was. That was just one line in it about them talking about. It. I heard this about Carmine. I guess somebody took just one line out of his his uh, his podcast and they turned it into a whole, you know. And he's getting all this hate mail, and all. it's like, you know. So you got. I know people want to take the shortcuts, and they don't if they actually because that happens to me a lot of times too, where I'll have a podcast. And then, yeah, they'll take a, like a sound bite, but I'm like, listen to the full interview and then right. decide what you, you know, before you make a judgment. Well, that's the thing. There's, there's, uh, that's another thing. People can be judges now everywhere. Everybody's judging somebody else instead of trying to support, you know, and um, something I try to do personally, um, I run an event called ultimate jam night, which I started in 2015. Yeah. Uh, we've been at the uh, legendary whiskey a go-go now for many years. And what I try to do is just, put a bunch of musicians together and we usually have a theme every week and it's between, you know, 45 maybe to, and we've had as many as a hundred professional musicians um, and the show and coordinating all that is, it's like herding cats, but uh, it, seeing it, seeing uh, the performances and, and people getting to play together that maybe never had played together and wanted to play together or taking somebody that's a really new player who's great and putting them with seasoned pros is always a very rewarding experience to see that happen and when you can make that happen. Yeah. You've had some, uh, I mean, what were well, you tell me, what are the, your favorite guests that have come to that? Cause I mean, what, seven years of that, you must've had some stellar musicians. Uh, we, well, you know, one stands out for me, I guess if I have to pick one is Robin Zander was there. From and, Cheap Trick. Yeah. From Cheap Trick. And at the time we started ultimate jam night was basically, at a venue that was partially, um, it had a nice stage and all that, but it's partially a bowling alley, right? And um, he's backstage and, and I'm talking with him. We're friends because I toured with Cheap Trick um, in the 80s. And he, he gets a phone call and he goes, what? Really? No way. And he, and he finishes the call 
And he goes, I, I can't believe this. He goes, we were just nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he goes, you know what's even weirder about that is we got signed playing a bowling alley and I'm in a freaking bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. And so he came out and, and uh, oh, what's his name? Is there, uh, you know, from, from Headbangers Ball. Ricky Rockman. Oh, Ricky Rockman was there. And he goes, hey, let, let me tell the story. Let me tell the story. And I go, sure, man. So Ricky goes out there and starts talking and telling the whole story that happened backstage. And then Robin came out and did Dream Police with us, which was great. There's wow. actually a video up there, but we've had D. Snyder, we've had the Motorhead guys, we've had like you know Doug Pinnock is a regular that comes down from Kings X. You know, oh, I love. Do you ever talk to him? I had him on my podcast. Oh, it was like an hour and a half, and I want I didn't want it to end. Yeah, he's a sweetheart, man. He's he's a great guy, great player, great songwriter, um, really sweet man. And um, you know, it's just I've been blessed in that, and and through that. Um, making this album, I, you know, I would be working on a song and I go, you know, who'd be great for this? Let me see if he's into it. And mm. I would I'd say, Hey, check it out. I'm working on the song. I think you, you know, you, if you did a solo on this would be great. And I would, you know, and they're into it, you know, like Scotty Hill from Skid Row. It's like killer solo for the song. Um, it's just, I, I got to cherry pick, so to speak, you know, like the, the right guy for, and they were luckily for me, everybody that I said, Hey, do you want to, check this out and do it. And they said, yeah, this is great. I'm on. Oh, really? Everyone said yes. Yeah. I never had anybody go. No, everybody's like, Oh, this is great. Yeah. I'd love to do it. You know? Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. So yeah. wait, tell me back to the, the, so it's kind of like a, a combo thing here because the song throwing stones, it's kind of reflective of the, the war right now, but didn't you do something with the jam night where you had Ukrainian uh, refugee, refugee well, and, musicians? Yeah, you know what? That all happened at the, pretty much the same time. Cause just, just, a few weeks back, I think it's like three weeks maybe now, um, we did a benefit for the World Central Kitchen for the refugees um, coming out of Ukraine because of the war. Um, and we raised a lot of money to send them to, uh, you know, help with the, the food there. And um, we did have a family that had just left um, Ukraine that were bombed out. They came out on stage and their little seven-year-old daughter sang uh, a ver a verse and a chorus of we are the world and everybody's crying it was pretty crazy and we did have one ukrainian girl sing uh, a traditional song in the beginning and we also um i wanted to open up the show with uh, great gate of kiev uh, the mazorsky piece um instrumental thing and then the band came straight in from that hmm. yeah that's really yeah, cool well we you know it's a, over the years we've done uh, a few charity events so we did one for the pulse nightclub Thing that happened when you know all those people were shot in the, the club and we brought some people out from that and tried to get money for them different things we, we've done food drives for los angeles for the homeless once in a while we'll do charity events that's awesome i love that yeah i always end each episode with a charity so i'm always trying to like it's just like something that you know if we could all just pitch in a little bit i think that yeah, well yeah like you were saying about about your comment on twitter i, I think the world needs more empathy now yeah, I kind of just some of the tweets, even though there's things that people post and I might even agree with it, but I'm like, what is the point of posting this on Twitter? I don't really understand. Yeah. Like some things you used to just keep to yourself, you know, like well, you might I think, think something, think, but you don't. Yeah, I think people put, put too much personal information um, on there. I actually. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's I don't want to know that you're having stomach trouble today and that you're having. <laughs> you know, that you're visiting the bathroom every five minutes. I, I don't need to know that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. It is. You're right. It's like too much information. Like sometimes I just go, okay, 
Like, and then Facebook, you're friends with all these people and it's like, and then, but it's like too much information. Why do I need to know what the kid that I had biology class with in high school is having for lunch today? Like what? Well, what yeah. And they tell you how the weather was. I have one that always goes, oh, we're having a beautiful day today. It's only 75. I go, okay. You know, I know <laughs> it's there. You lose a lot of time with some of that, but you know, it has facilitated keeping in touch with like the first guitar player in my first band. I'm in, I'm in touch with now he's up in Portland. Now we, we still talked because of Facebook. We found each other. Right. And, and that's happened with a lot of people that when we found each other again through Facebook. So in that regard, it's good. I wish it was around when my mom was alive because she lived in Maui and I would be able to share what I'm doing all the time with her. And um, so it, it, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Right. Um, you know, it's good and bad. Technology is good and bad. It's, it's got, it depends on how it's used. You know, yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Yeah, I feel like maybe we need to give people classes or something on how to, because it was when they had it, they just said, here you go. And it's like, they don't really teach yeah, people how to use it. And then, I mean, especially kids, there's, it can be really dangerous for kids. So really I don't dangerous. know. They can get sucked into all kinds of terrible things if they're not, you know, that's why you got to have those parental guidance. And a lot of parents don't even pay attention to what their kid's doing. Yeah, no, it's it's scary. Yeah, I know. It's, all right. Well, anyways, back to the album. Yeah, there's so many yes. good songs. Yeah, sorry. I, I know we have a re. We're, there's a reason. We just keep keep getting sidetracks, but but it's that's fascinating. Okay. That's conversations are always are like that. It's all right. Yeah. No, but um, the song "The Other Side." I, I listened to that a few times. It's really beautiful. And you wrote that song obviously uh, as a tribute to uh, Frankie, well, right, drummer who passed away. Well, you wrote happened? that like didn't you write it immediately after you got the call? Yeah, actually, that's how that happened. Was was um, I got the call that he? I knew he was going to. I mean, my last conversation with him, it was. I kind of wish I didn't have that conversation because it was just terrible seeing him in that condition. But because um, it was a FaceTime thing, and it was it was just ugh. anyway. So I got the call that he had passed, and it just I went wow, you know, because I've known we started playing together in nineteen eighty one, twenty six years of my life playing with him. And um, off and on with quite right. But anyway, so I picked up, right next to me was a 12-string acoustic. And I just started playing with that feeling. And that whole song from top to bottom, even the bridge, every part of it, even the chorus melody and chorus idea, um, see you on the other side, all happened at one sitting, like in an hour and a half or whatever it was. I was just going, oh, this is nice. And you know, just kind of feeling that whole thing. And I, I after I finished it, recorded the guitar and I put some bass on it. I got a hold of um, August Jung, who had been working with Frankie and a Zep band. And I, I said, Hey, I'd really like you to finish this with me. And he, he helped me out, uh, flush out the uh, verses on it. And I also reached out to Joe Pelletier, who was the keyboard player with the band Frankie was working with. And Mr. Jimmy himself is the band. They're called Mr. Jimmy. He, hmm. you know, I just saw them um, before uh, Frankie passed. I went to the rehearsal. I was in uh, Tokyo and they were rehearsing there for some big concerts there. And um, I, I just felt I wanted to include them in that. But I really, that song, it 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 was inspired. I mean, that's a weird word to say, use inspired. But it started because of the bad news about Frankie. But it really relates to everybody I've lost along the way. And I'm sure when people listen to it, they'll feel the same way. Because it's we, we hope that we see them on the other side. Right. Well, that's what's the cool about this album is like that song. And then the, you know, the one that's kind of about war, it's like, it must be cathartic for you to write these, but it could also be cathartic for people to listen to these I songs. So. I hope that people get, 
you know, of different emotions out of listening to the record and uh, listening to the lyrics. There's a song called Giving Up the Ghost on the Album that's one of my favorite songs, um, just as a song, the way it's written. And it's basically just about there's a time to let things go. You know, people hold on to things that are holding them back. It's time to let things go. Like a relationship, it's basically about that. It's like, okay, so you broke up and you're not together anymore, but you keep holding on. And because you're holding on, emotionally, you can't be open to something new. So that's that's what that song's about. How do you know when it's time to, to let go, though? Because you got to have some sort of period of grieving, I would think. No, right? you do. No, there's no doubt. But there, I know people... You know, one person comes to mind, but I'm not going to say who it is, but for three years now, she's still holding on to, you know, the, the, the hurt and the pain of, of a, you know, breakup of a situation changing. It's like, that's why it's, there's time to give up the ghost, you know? No, that's, that's, that's really good. I didn't know that's what that song was about. That's why I like doing these interviews. That's really cool to hear. That's about, um, yeah, that one. And then the, the farewell horizon, those are those are definitely like kind of like that like like I said that somber kind of like dark. Mood. Well, that one's somber and dark too. But I wrote that. That's the only song on the album I started writing on my bass. It's like I played oh. chords on my bass. I overdubbed another bass to it. Then I played acoustic guitar to it. And then I contacted my friend Toshi Unagi, who you might know if if you've ever seen the Jimmy Kimmel show. He's the house guitar player. Oh, that show, and he's one of the most well-rounded musicians that I know, and he's an amazing jazz fusion player. And I said to him, I said, I go, Toshi, I've got this kind of f- jazz fusion song that I'd like to finish with, you know, would you be interested in finishing it with me? I go, what I'm looking for is like a Jeff Beck style melody. And then I want you to do some shredding like Alan Holsworth. And, and he, he sent me back something that I thought was just so beautiful. And then on the bridge, I wanted to pay homage to uh, one of my favorite bands when I was a kid, which is King Crimson. So the bridge sounds like, Straight out of 1970 King Crimson, uh, or the Crimson King album. I've got baritone sax, I've got Mellotron, and all that on it. In fact, when I was in high school, uh, my, my uh, English class, I did a report on the song 21st Century Schizoid Man. My teacher flipped out so much, she made that class listen to the whole album. Because the, wow. the lyrics on that album are amazing. Because yeah. it was an English class, so it's about poetry and poetry and music. You know, someone would bring in American Pie, and I brought in. 21st century schizoid man. So that's where my head was at. Yeah. How do you, so how do you, cause you're right. You obviously wrote most of these songs or co-wrote them, but how do you write well, when most you, of them I started and then maybe I finished them off with people. Yeah. Okay. So like when you're writing lyrics, how do you, does it just come to you like the music or is it, do you have to sit down and try to rhyme stuff or. Well, there definitely is a rhyming scheme to it. And, and uh, that you've got to think about, well, what's going to sound right Sometimes the way something sounds is more important than what it's being said. I, I remember reading a Phil, uh, it's a Phil Collins, I think, uh, interview. And he said, he goes, yes, sometimes the way things come off in the melody is more important than the actual word. And so you kind of have to walk the line between that and the importance of the word so that it comes, it's sung good, but still it carries the same message. Mm-hmm. Although, I don't know what Susurio means. What does that mean? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Like I was going to say, what is that? It sounds like sometimes they just kind of make words up to make it well, sound. Man, that good. song definitely. I think that's what that is. But um, anyway, but yeah, there's a there's a line you walk when you're writing lyrics. Um, on that, I, I worked um, on the album. Um, three songs have a vocalist named Whitney Ty. Who yeah, she's just, great. She's phenomenal. I discovered her uh, doing Ultimate Jam Night, and um, when I 
decided to finish the song Army of Me, which was actually recorded quite a while ago on a lark. I was in the studio with with um, my late friend Pat Torpy from Mr. Big and Landon Cordola, who worked with me um, in House of Lords and many other projects. Um, we started jamming on it. I mean, I'm not even playing the correct bass part. We're just doing it by memory. And I found the tracks and I go, this is killer. I got to finish this. I got to, you know, I'll also to honor um, Pat, you know, it's really great. And I thought of her as the perfect voice for it. And through that, we started working together and we wrote uh, the song Time Waits for No One. I came up with all the music and I said, hey, you want to help me finish this song out? And then um, I thought she was the perfect voice for giving up the ghost as well. So she ended up being on three songs, super talented. Um, she's got her own album that came out last year called Apogee that is killer. And she's working on new music now, which I'm going to be doing some bass for her on. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then the, the other song that was really cool that it's totally different than anything else is the cradle of the sun. Cause it's kind of, kind of a, like a country blues guitar on it. Yeah. What, what it is, it's, it's, I almost, that song almost didn't get on the record cause it was so different, but it's a lot like a, a Robert Plant, Alison Krauss song. I don't know if you're familiar with, with his side thing that he does with Alice. A little Krause. bit, yeah. But it's kind of that folky. Yes. And, and you know, and he he actually does some of the Zeppelin tunes in that folkyish style. So I have I have some lap, um, lap steel on there, um, you know, which which really gives it that kind of sound. And I went for more of a gospel type uh, chorus with a lot of voices. And I it's actually a duet. Uh, Shelley Bernay has um, just great tone in her voice. Um, she sang with August Young, the person, I, the guy I talked about earlier from the Zep thing. I go, well, it's kind of like a Robert Plant song. I'm going to tap into the guy that's, that does Robert Plant, right? He's a great singer and he has kind of that vibe. So I kind of went for that with that song. But yes, I'm glad you pointed that one out. It's it almost didn't. I almost I was on the fence. No, I like it because, like Is I said, it different, you know, there's definitely yeah. some dark and somber tones, but I mean, there's a variety too. Like I think the. Uh, the, the throwing stones. I mean, I think if people who know you, that's probably a good one to start out with. Cause it's, it's just a great wow. rock and song. And if they're it familiar is. with, you know, hard rock, they're going to love that. Yeah, I think so too. And, and that's why I, I wanted to do that as a, my second video um, after I got the deal. Cause the first one I did on my own, this one, I, I really thought about it. What songs really going to like hit people and all the hard rock fans out there are going to still dig it, you know, mm -hmm. instead of coming out with like giving up the ghost or something like that. I wanted to hit him with something that shows off my playing as a bass player and just as a kick-ass truck. Yeah, and no, that Joe's was great. Vocal. When I got Joe's vocal, I was so blown away. I go, oh my God, I got this has got to be out there, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> like, you do these, I heard you say like it, you would need like Roger Waters budget to pull, pull this off as a live show. But I mean, yeah. could you scale it down and do just like some select Well, yeah, you know, this shows? is something that's come up a lot the last starting to do all these interviews is about well, what do you want how you do it live truly to do what i would want to do i would need you know like i just saw paul mccartney that's a, that's what i would want to do and have an immersive trip with screens and tell a story and have it be a total experience like seeing pink floyd or something but in lieu of that i could stream it down and do a couple songs off of this i could do some songs from other projects i've done like odd men out chaos is the poetry heaven or earth maybe because those are all albums that i was a writer on and I don't know if anything, even though I was a writer on QR3 on every song, I don't know if anything fits with this music, you know, with the Quiet Ride stuff. But there are songs and music that I've written that uh, from my catalog that could work in a more of a streamed down thing. But I mean, I, you could hear it. I have like acoustic guitars on both songs, which 
I wrote most of the songs on acoustic guitar, so I'm playing acoustic guitar on most of the songs besides the bass. And I do some keyboards on there and sound effects. And, you know, because I produced the thing, the album. I had some help uh, co-producing on a few of the tracks. Um, yeah. But No, I like it. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me, uh, I just had Edgar Winter on. And like oh, how really? he kind of, yeah, he put together this like amazing, his Edgar Winter group, he put together this like amazing, even though he really wasn't, the front man, right? Like he had this right. other guy, Dan Hartman singer, but he yeah, picked him great. out and, and uh, yeah, like I was thinking like you could do the same kind of thing, just put together a band and make it the Chuck well, Wright band and, yeah, and make it really well, cool like that. Exactly. I would need, I would need, well, to do it, I would want to have Joe uh, for sure. And, and, uh, and Whitney on it. Um, Jeff Scott Soto killed the track he did. It, it never fails, but that guy is so prolific and working so much. I mean, he's got 20 things going at the same time. You know, he's a, he's a good friend and I'm so proud of him. The guy's just, and he's, he can do any style. And when this song's a funk song and I know that I went to a Terrence Trent car, uh, Terrence Trent Carby. I can't remember. Anyway, I went to the, this concert and it was an R&B guy and Jeff was singing along to every word uh, of every song, soulful singing. And, He's a great R&B type singer and this song needed that kind of vocal and he just killed it. It's amazing that, yeah, he's, he sounds so good and he still sounds so good. Like he hasn't, his oh. voice hasn't uh, degraded yeah. over time. Exactly. Like, yeah. He's strong, stronger than ever really. I mean, and he's a really good songwriter and um, always surrounds himself with great musicians and, and always is doing a bunch of different things. You know, I mean, the sons of Apollo, look at the musicians in that band. Jeez. Yeah, no, I had Bumblefoot on the show. That guy's a yeah. crazy good guitar player. Yeah, and he sings good too. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's great. I jammed with him once in Connecticut. I think I was on tour. He came out and jammed. <clears throat> really nice guy. Yeah, so then what are your, if you're not going to tour with this project, do you have another project that you're going to be uh, working on after well, that? What I'm doing right now is um, I'm still doing Ultimate Jam Night. And I put this week, I'm putting together the Britain Rock show, which. I decided to make that part one because there's so many amazing acts that have come out of, out of UK. It's insane. It's like page after page and they're all worthy and awesome. But I've, I've also been working with um, Greg D'Angelo, who is a founding member of white lion Yeah, and, and Terry loose who sang with great white for uh, like 12 years, I think. And XYZ, right? Yeah. XYZ is his other band. And, um, and another another friend of mine, uh, Kevin Jones, who played keyboards with Ozzy and when Randy was in the band, hmm. does a lot of movie stuff. He's in it, and we've been bouncing with different guitar players. But I, I I've been jamming with those guys and doing shows with those guys out of the country. We were gone for like like five weeks, and we're playing on the twenty sixth um, in Palm Springs. We're doing a concert. Okay. Basically, what we do is we do songs that we're connected to. Um, you know, and or influenced by a lot, but mainly it's like like we'll do Radar Love from White Line, yeah. Uh, you know that version, or Once Bitten Twice Shy by the Great White version. You know, uh, what is this band called? It's called Legends of Classic Rock. Oh, yeah, okay. Because the artists and I, I mean they had the name already, but I, I what I say is I go I don't think I'm a legend. They don't think they're a legend, but we've been very blessed to be in legendary bands or work with legendary artists like Alice Cooper or. I work with like Greg Almond, for instance. So, so there are some legendary people that we've been associated with. So that's that's how the name works. All, all although you could also look at it like uh, Legends of Classic Rock that we're playing artists that are Legends of Classic Rock. You know, besides our involvement. So it depends on how you look at it. 
But right. it's a fun band. I'm having a great time. They're great guys. Um, and, you know, I'm like, I'll, I'm open, you know, to, to other situations if, if that comes up. Yeah. Well, and obviously, I mean, one of the bands that you're most well known for is Quiet Riot. Um, it was funny. I was looking up uh, Quiet. I was trying to find something like trivia or something. You know what? I, what was interesting with the, the, you guys did? I think I think you were part of this when you were on The Simpsons. You got animated. Was that is that was yeah. that when you were in the band? Um, yeah, it's actually, and they had me when I had blondish hair as a character. Yeah, Kevin talked me into going blonde back back in the back then and and kind of curling my hair, whatever, which I wish I didn't do. But anyway, um, yeah. And, and the premise of that uh, Simpsons is so funny because the band's known for playing state fairs, which we did do a lot and have done a lot. But but uh, the band, they said, here's here's a band formerly known as Quiet Riot. They've got religion now. It's Quiet Pious. Or no, Pious Riot. Pious Riot, I think. Pious yeah. Riot. And then the, the band breaks into the song, and this is what they sang like. Come on, feel the Lord. You'll get saved, <laughs> saved, saved. It sounded just like that. And the fact that they came up with that lyric was hilarious. Was it you guys singing though, or no? No, no. They, it was their cartoon voices doing that. It sounded like old pirates. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah. No, I, I didn't even know that they were doing it until it aired, you know. You don't get like a royalty or anything for that, or? No. Uh, no. They, they, oh, cool uh, though that they that you're that you're animated yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, I've been an animated character, but they referenced it. Even had my EV three base. Um, they they had a uh, an Anna. They they've Anna, they've used the name before in other contexts where Quiet Riot like thrown in with Rat or other bands. They've used it before. Yeah, there was a bit there where they said like, uh, "Please welcome Poison," and they're like, "No, we're not Poison. We're Quiet Riot." And then like it's, yeah. and the drummer says, the, the, "The drum head said we're White Snake or something." Like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and the funny thing about that, the underlying thing is that all these players are interchangeable. They've probably all been in one of those bands. You know what I mean? Because we're always, right. gonna, you know, I mean, how many, there's certain guys that have been in like, I don't know, six different bands. Jizzy Pearl is a good example. He was the lead singer, Love Hate, LA Guns, Rat, Now Quiet Riot. So, yeah, know, I mean, one of those interchangeable guys. Right. Yeah, I mean that's it's interesting. These bands just keep like Quiet Riot's still going. I mean, even though yeah, they are. Yeah, it's crazy. They got Rudy's Rudy's in it now. He's yeah, the only back, original right? member. Yeah, well, he's he's part of the Metal Health era, the beginning of it. I'm on that album too. I played Bang Your Head and Don't Want to Let You Go, and I sing on every track on it, and every tr every track on the Condition Critical because they wanted the same sound. And I play bass on a song on Condition Critical called um, Born to Rock. I'm the bass player on that as well. But um, yeah, it's it, that's the era. I, I always try to explain to people that the Randy Rhodes Quiet Riot and the Mental Health Quiet Riot are two completely different things. In fact, the label wanted to call the they had a name for the band. It was Dubrow. Was how we got signed. Originally, it was the Dubrow band, um, but they didn't want to name it after Kevin Dubrow. Um, so they were throwing names at us like Standing Hampton and Wild Oscar and all these like ridiculous names and Kevin goes, forget it. I'm just going to call it quite right again. So that's how okay. that happened. So oh. really <clears throat> when people diss the band, the mental health band for not being original members, because they're not part of the Randy Rhodes era, that band had really nothing to do with, with this band other than the name and the fact that it was just Kevin's voice. But musically, if you listen to that early quite right records and the new ones, it has nothing to do uh, musically even. I mean, that, that band was way more popular. Hmm. It wasn't hard at all. 
Yeah, because I think those albums were only released. The first two are only in Japan, right? Yeah, they're only in Japan, yeah. Which is really weird to think they were American band and they couldn't get a deal in America, but got in Japan. Yeah, well, yeah, it is weird. (laughs) See, that's where... You know, the whole situation is weird. I don't know if you saw the movie. um, Yeah. There's No Way Back. It was on Showtime for two years, but that kind of tells the whole story uh, pretty pretty well. And it's, it's a very entertaining film. Yeah, I think what's well, interesting you brought up the background vocals because I feel like that's a really underrated job. Is that, I mean, like the the thing that uh, or the person that stands out to me is Michael Anthony. I was just going to say, Halen. what would Van Halen's so- songs be without Michael Anthony's voice? I yeah, mean, that's such a signature sound. As soon as he starts singing, that's the sound, right? Right. So that's why they wanted to keep me. Even when they did Terrified, um, the Terrified album, when when they had Kenny Hillary, they had me come down for that and sing. And then I rejoined them again after Kenny left the band. Yeah, you've kind of been in and out, and uh... I think five times maybe. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, yeah over. Tw- yeah, I mean, twenty six years total of playing with them, but I started in eighty one. So, you know, I, Jafria, House of Lords, a bunch of, a bunch of other things, Alice Cooper, that I've done, Ted Nugent, on and on, um, but yeah. Ted Nugent, man, I had him on the show. He is so, he is really entertaining. <laughs> he's out there, but he's super Dude. like energetic. Same with like, he reminds me, I know like politically they're different, but him and Dee Snyder, they just have this like, this energy that it's like, yeah, they're, cool, they're born like front man. He's like that all the time. Yeah, I believe it. You know, I mean, it's a natural energy. It's not like drug induced. Yeah, so well, no, yeah, he doesn't do drugs and he's like in no, his no. 70s or something. He's like super hyper man, super hyper. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget working on that album. Uh, it's called, and I love the title, If You Can't Lick Them, Lick Them. Right. Which is a great title. But we would take a break and shoot hoops, and he would go out there, and he had a full-scale deer uh, target made that he put in the bushes, and he'd go all the way to the other side and have his bow and arrow and practice <laughs> shooting. That's how he relaxes. <laughs> yeah, he shot a bow and arrow on the podcast on, on Zoom. Oh, He's well, in his cabin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. There you go. He had a stack of Polaroids of animals, you know, that he goes, well, you know, whatever I kill, I eat. So, but he's like a ram's heads holding up and he's got like all these, and I'm just like, man, it's crazy. I imagine his wall just being covered with all these deers and bears and whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah. I only did that album with him. That's my, my whole connection only to him. Did you, wait, did you tour with him though or no? No, no. Uh, I, I did talk him into using fretless bass on a song though. Hmm. He made me use a pick, and I and my license plate says no picks. Oh, really? You don't like the picks? No, man. It's it's all feel fingers. This bass is meant to be played with your fingers. For as far as I'm concerned, there things do come up where a pick for a certain kind of sound, but in general, it's a it, bass is a feel instrument. You know. It's, so uh, the P. It seems like that people. Well, they think is it Dave Elfson from Megadeth? Does he use a pick? I feel like some of the speed metal just, guys. Actually, he just did. Um, my show, uh, we did a show called The Big Four with Anthrax and, and uh, uh, Megadeth. We had, you know, Dave was there and, and uh, Jeff Young was there from Megadeth. They played oh. together for the first time in, what, 35 years or whatever it was. Wow. That's another thing Ultimate Jam that does is we put people together. I had two guys that did the Thriller tour, uh, Greg Wright and Bumblefoot, you know, the, Jack, the Michael Jackson Thriller tour, and they hadn't played together since then. I put them together, you know, go, hey, do you guys want to play together? You know, it's like, yeah, man, it'll be great. So... Yeah, no, they, yeah, but Dave, I, he was playing with a pick. I mean, some guys do. For me, it's it's a it's a feel thing. I actually always at, at shows asked if I have guitar picks, and I said, "Did you watch me play?" 
did you see me use a pick? No, but do you have any? So finally I broke down and I have picks that say, I don't use a pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause they I, always throw them into the stage and people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can hand them out. I mean, one of the things that I always try to do after shows, you know, meet and greets or not. Um, I like to go out and meet people like after the show and talk to them. And, and, you know, a lot of times I'll find out the first time they ever listened to a song. Oh yeah, man. My first time, my first album ever was, I heard come on, feel the noise or whatever. I lost my virginity in the back of my car listening to your album, <laughs> whatever they say, you know, it's kind of funny. My mom made me burn that album. <laughs> so, that is funny. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting to find out and when there's, especially when there's younger kids there, they're usually into it because, um, their parents were into it or they discovered it on, on uh, a video game, you know, like guitar, those guitar video games, guitar hero and stuff like guitar that. Guitar hero. It's yeah. on a lot of those. So that's how they discovered the band. It's like, you'd be discovered in different ways, you know, maybe just perusing um, YouTube and you see the wild and the young video and we're, we're like putting guitars into a tree mulcher. So suddenly you're interested in the band. Or maybe what's going to happen is like uh, somebody comes out and makes a remix, like a rap song and, and samples a, a song that you've done. That can happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny. Cause I heard uh, uh, the Yardbirds that one of their songs was, was like redone by the pussycat dolls, like 30 or 40 years later. And it's like, wow. the guy gets this royalty check. Like it's gotta be a kind of a nice little thing for musicians. Well, it must be, especially for, for Slade. I mean, come on, feel the noise is a Slade song. And so, right. so is, so is mom are all crazy now. And those were both really big songs for Cry riot. So Slade. Yeah. Was very, very yeah you nice. didn't play on mama. We're all crazy though. Right. You just did the no, back I sang on it. I saying, sang on it. Yeah. So you get some sort of royalty for that, right? Um, I, very, there's a thing called sound exchange and, um, as a background singer. It's, it's hardly anything, but yeah, I mean. Do you get like yeah. a big sheet like once a month that shows everything? Like Because you've done so many albums and things. No, like, I don't. I wish I did. I'm sure there's a lot of money out there on mode. I don't know. You know? Well, you it, don't get any. It's anything? hard to track it all down, you know? Really? It really is. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank goodness there's, there's a thing called sound exchange and and they track down your your um, extraterrestrial, they call it, um, which is anything that's not like a radio station, but like stuff that's like on a cable show on cable TV, uh, some that kind of thing, or or a serious radio, or anything like that. They they track they track down the uh, the money for you, and, and uh, it's a library. Of, it's a government thing, which is a great government program. Uh, the Library of Congress has that, and that's actually that's how I got my car. But um, it's it's been a good thing. That part's good, you know, as a performer, cause it's about performance it has nothing to do with songwriting. It's about your performance on, on something. Wait, so you don't get like a check every month just from all the royalties combined. Well, they, you get, you get royalties from different things. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. Well, I thought like it my publishing, you. It's all broken down to like whatever bands and songs and yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Get a lot of music library stuff for movies and, and that kind of thing. So what's your number one when you get that? Uh, what's the number one thing right now that's like your best credit that's yeah, paying that's the hard. most? It's really hard to say. I mean, I'd have to go look. You know, I don't. I don't really know. I mean, the Quiet Ride stuff and the Jafria stuff does well. Um, I had. I oh, actually, <clears throat> there was an instrumental um, that I wrote for a music library. <clears throat> Sorry about <clears throat> situation, and um, they uh, in Atlanta sports station that's on every night uses it going in and out of their show and nice. even it's only played like a few seconds really you know like maybe five or six seconds going in and out you get paid like boom 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 and it's been going on for like years 
Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so that, that can, it can be great. You can, I, I'm sure the guy that wrote the, the theme to, uh, um, you know, like if you write a theme for a TV show that still runs all the time, you yeah. know, you're going to be getting, you're going to be getting uh, major checks. For sure. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, very cool. Um, and hopefully this, like I said, this new album will get you some uh, play somewhere. Cause like I said, I think a lot of those songs lend themselves to TV and film. Well, I could totally picture it. Yeah. The, the label, they felt that way too. And they have, they have people that that's what they do is they get songs placed. And I, I agree with you. I think a lot of this music on here is perfect for, it's a cinematic feeling record. I think when you listen to it top to bottom, it's really deep. It has a lot of layers to it. You know, and it's not the same old. The one thing I, I'm proud to say, this isn't the same old, same old you know, that, that I keep hearing, unfortunately. Um, but it's, it's. I think it's kind of fresh. Um, and I hope people feel the same way about it when they listen to it. Yeah, it's called Sheltering Sky. It's going to be out tomorrow, which so probably when people are listening, it's probably already out. Yeah, good. It's out. <laughs> yeah. So go buy, they can buy it. They can, can they buy a, a physical CD? Yeah, this, yeah. Uh, it's right there there it is album okay. cover by glenn wexler who's done rush and two van halen covers and and uh black sabbath and whole list he's one of the best in the business and he's my best friend and he said hey i'd love to do your cd package for you and I, that's how that that's how that happened i'm like i'm blessed i have all these great musicians on my record and then you know this too but um you can get it at if you go to chuckwright.com there's a link where you can get get it it's going to be on all the regular platforms um cleopatra records.com has has a link you can go to it's there you can get it um you know i advise people get get the hard copy you could you got you have lists of who's on each track which is like i said there's 41 different people you want to know who's doing what right so check that out yeah i love that kind of stuff yeah because i got the advanced copy so i can see i'm reading all the uh, i'm like wow this scotty hill and uh yeah derek sherinian and Troy Lucetta, all these, I know these names. So yeah. very cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, I always end each episode with a charity, like I said. So is there one that you want to give a, a shout out to here? Yes. Once again, the World Central Kitchen, um, which supplies meals for the, the uh, people in Ukraine that have been bombed out of their homes, um, you know, and are, are being executed. It's a horrible situation there. And, and uh, it's nice that, I mean, it's great that there's somebody that has set up a whole thing to help those people um, eat because they are starving. Oh, God, and okay. It's just, I mean, the, the, they had McDonald's. They have everything we do. It's like, I can't believe it. It's it, We're like, we've gone back in time 80 years. It's like Nazi Germany all over again. You know, it's, 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 really, it's really hard to watch. And I'm glad we're helping with sending them, you know, weapons or whatever they need to stave off them being taken over but you know it's not going great obviously i don't know if you watch the news but um world central kitchen you can find them and um, donate there if you're going to donate something because i know that 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 money goes straight to uh, providing meals okay perfect i love that that's yeah i mean i think everyone deserves to eat so definitely yeah yeah it's like it's yeah it's just everybody can get behind that i love it so i will put that in the notes along with uh, your website and people should get the new album and uh, catch yeah. you on tour with Legends of Rock. Is that what that was called, right? Or the Legends of Classic Rock, I think, right? Yeah, we, we'll, we're we playing around. I mean, I'm doing that. and I'll be doing other things. Come but to I Phoenix. Come to a show. And I'd go see Legends of Classic Rock. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's a good. It's fun. We, you know, we do a lot of cool songs. And uh, Terry's a, a brilliant singer. I, I don't know if you've ever seen Great White with him, but he's a great singer. 
No, I haven't seen. I've seen. I only saw Great White once with it was with uh, Jack Russell. Yeah, he's now they have a new one, Mitch Malone. Yeah, they have another guy, but he's he's one of the best there is uh, out there. So okay, cool. Thanks so much. Nice to meet you, Chuck. (laughs) Nice to meet you. I'll see you on tour. All right, cheers. All right, bye bye. Such a fun conversation with Chuck Wright. I want to thank him again for coming on the show. And again, make sure to check out the new album. It's called Shelter in the Sky. Check his website or follow him on social media for updates. You can do the same for me. And you can help us both out with likes, shares, comments on social media and YouTube. Uh, the more attention that things get on social media and YouTube and with the comments and the likes on that stuff, the more people will see it. So let's give some positive things some attention like this interview or Chuck's new album or some of the songs on YouTube that he's got going on. And if you've gotten any entertainment or value from this podcast, I would love for you to give me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. Uh, I will be eternally grateful for that. And also make sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day. And remember to shoot for the moon. Shoot for the moon.